0: Welcome to Lawali Life, the podcast. I'm Alice Law, your host and founder of Lawali Life, which is my coaching practice I've set up to help stress professionals and entrepreneurs to decrease, manage, and get rid of stress whilst improving their professional and personal performance. I take a very holistic approach to stress management, and this podcast is based purely around stress and loss and is a mixture of conversations with leaders in their fields from top CEOs, neuroscientists, authors, and other coaches and spiritual thought leaders guiding you through how they overcame their personal stress and losses and how you can overcome yours. Today's guest is talking to me from over in LA, it is the amazing Nick Pigeon, who is an author, coach, speaker, positive psychologist, serial entrepreneur and all around amazing human being. She has personally had to overcome huge, some huge traumas and stresses in her life and has smashed that, now made it her mission to help as many female entrepreneurs as possible to fully step into what they might not realise they are actually capable of. She's a great person and I hope you enjoy her insights and wisdom into positive psychology and more. welcome today we have the wonderful Nick Pidgeon who is a positive psychologist, author, speaker, serial entrepreneur and coach. She has coached me and she's an amazing female entrepreneur and I'm very excited to have her on the podcast today so thank you Nick for joining. Thank you so much for having me, so excited. So tell us a bit about your story, why did you turn to positive psychology?
1: Well, I wasn't originally supposed to do positive psychology. I was actually signed up to be a mechanical and automotive engineer, believe it or not, which is (laughs) completely different, completely random. Um, But I had two scholarships for university to go and study engineering. And I took a gap year in between my high school studies and actually going to do that university degree. And I went to Australia. I spent six months across there with my boyfriend, who was a professional cricket player at the time. And he was seeing his own sports psychologist when he was out there. And he came back from a session one day and he said to me, Nick, I just had the most amazing session. I lay there on the couch and the guy told me, when you are into bat on the cricket pitch, don't look for the fielders. Look for the gaps in between the fielders instead. And that sentence literally hit me like a ton of bricks because we have the opportunity to look at problems or focus on what's going wrong or we have the opportunity to focus, focus on possibilities and opportunities and what might go right. So I had a big mindset shift in that moment. And I realized the power of focusing on what we do right rather than on what we do wrong. And I canceled my degrees and I actually ended up going and studying psychology with sports science at university instead. And then from those, I know totally different, but it just shows the power of like being able to shift your thinking and how that can completely change the trajectory of of someone's life. So I went on to do three degrees in psychology, including a master's in positive psychology, which is actually the, the science of happiness, the science of success and the science of how individuals, communities and businesses can thrive. So I'd taken that one sentence and then found a science that actually proves that that sentence is right.
0: Yeah, you know, that's amazing. What do you say is the greatest takeaway from that science for you then? Is it that sentence or mm. is there a particular teaching?
1: I'd say from positive psychology, it's really the self-awareness or having the awareness that you have the power to change the way that you feel in an instant. I think everyone, when you look at a lot of the different psychology programs or modality, modalities or methodologies, They take some time to create a shift and people think that when you're looking to create success or you're looking to create happiness or you're looking to bring a successful feeling inside of yourself, then you've got to have it all figured out and it's going to take you years to get there. But actually, if you focus on the now and you focus on making choices in this moment, you can shift the way that you think and you feel and that in itself can bring you happiness.
0: Yeah, I love that love that so you are someone who's obviously managed to use these tools to bring you back from your own personal losses Mm. and stresses what's the greatest loss or stress that you've personally had to overcome
1: I mean a couple of things I'd love to touch on like one for each of those I think with stress it's stress almost has a um a connotation nowadays with busyness It's like, oh, I'm so stressed out. I've got so much to do. And it becomes a a phrase that's used rather flippantly. The way that I've experienced stress is actually much more underlying because I'm able to manage stressful situations very well. So it's been really interesting. I've struggled with um, adrenal fatigue a couple of times in my life, most recently this year. And that really comes about from chronic stress over time and it's not just having a stressful situation that happens once and you feel like you're um like you take the emotional hit from it and then you come back again fighting it's doing that all of the time it's managing a team all of the time it is pushing yourself so hard at work and having high expectations of yourself all of the time it is dealing with family scenarios friendship scenarios things that are going on in your romantic life it's all of this combined and it's really what I've experienced is I'm fantastic at just getting on with things. I'm fantastic at dealing, dealing with things, getting through these tough situations. But actually, my body takes a hit. And over the long term, it really creates a negative impact. So I've had to look at like what the definition of stress is for me. So perhaps it's like overcommitting committing yourself or not having strong enough boundaries or not speaking up or expressing yourself. That's really where the stress side of things has come through for me. And then with the loss side of things, I'd certainly say like my friends. So we've had seven of our close friends pass away in completely unexpected circumstances. Four Gosh. of them were freak accidents and three of them died by suicide. So when you're looking at Loss. It's like, that's definitely the way that I've experienced that. And because they've all been so sudden and unexpected, it's not like you have a chance to talk through anything or say goodbye. So it really does leave a hole in your friendship group and like for their families and things. That has been really, really challenging. It's brought with it a lot of insight and a lot of passion and a lot of purpose for the work that I do and the, the books that I write and the mission that I'm on but it doesn't make up for the fact that someone was here before and now they're not here anymore. Like that's really tough to deal with.
0: Did you find that because you were you know, in a position of being a positive psychologist, that was quite a hard thing for you to grasp. Like how can I have friends around me that I'm losing to these kind of circumstances like suicide and it's out of my control. and I'm trying to you know, build this positive um, legacy in the world. Is that quite a hard thing for you to you know, understand at the time?
1: Absolutely, and I think when um, I think every single friend that I've lost has had a different impact and a different meaning. And the first few times, I kind of like didn't understand it, and it hit me in a really different way. I was in a different phase in my life. I wasn't as advanced in my career, and I didn't have the the insights. It was more like when I was younger, I lost a friend, and everybody like had a few drinks or had a lot of drinks, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and like a celebrated life and kind of got on with things. And then as more and more friends like we started losing them, it made me think about actually like what are the social problems that we're experiencing and what are the like the issues that are going on in society today that really need to be looked at in order to create a change in these situations. Because I, I know for certain that a lot of those deaths could have been prevented because a lot of like our friends were struggling with depression, for example, and that was one step down the line to the, the eventuality, which ended up being the worst case scenario. And I remember feeling so frustrated. We lost our friend Sophie last year and her more than anyone, I think because she was a friend like since I've been at school. And she had such a successful career. She was gorgeous. She was the life and soul of the party. She's from a great family. Like all of these things on paper that you would have said, like, awesome. And I knew she was struggling. She'd done some of my courses before. She'd read the book. She'd supported the book, come to the book launch. Like, we've got some amazing photos. And despite all of that, like, despite her actually having actively taken part in some of the work that I do, I still couldn't help her. And I remember going through this feeling of grief and just complete disbelief and powerlessness in what I do because I thought, do you know what? Like, what is the point if you can't help your best friends? Like, what is the point in doing this? So it it kind of gave me a, um, a pause to dig deeper into why I do what I do. And I realized that even if I can help one person a little bit, doesn't have to be my my best friends that I'm helping. I know for a fact that this work helps millions of people all over the world every day. Like I get messages every day. So it's about realigning with the need for this work and the power of it and also letting go of the attachment to it having to be my way and it having to be helping the people in the way that I want to all of the time.
0: Yeah, I love that. So when you talk about... do stress and loss because I think it's really interesting you know you're someone who's very successful and like you say you manage a team you've got lots going on all the time clients travel all this sort of stuff and you have adrenal fatigue would you say that the build-up to that was like you say an undercurrent of stress that just wasn't dealt with because you didn't think it was necessary to deal with it at the time or because it wasn't such a big issue that you thought okay I need to stop and deal with this because I think a lot of 100%. successful people just carry on don't they until suddenly it's like yeah
1: oh I'm literally like I'm a fucking badass I can do this I'm just gonna <laughs> keep going so it's like I just carry on and I'm like even if I feel unwell or tired I'm like I know I can do this like I asked my friend um, Natalie we were talking with each other about what our superpowers are um last year and she was like Nick your superpower like you're amazing at connecting people together and building relationships, and you're amazing at showing up. She so was like, "No matter what, you will always show up." And whilst that is definitely a superpower of mine, it's also something that has been to my detriment in this situation because I, for example, last year I took more than a hundred flights, travelled all around the world, speaking and coaching, and lived in a different country. And that takes its toll on your body. Like I have lead poisoning now and I think it's from taking so many flights. Wow. I had, yeah, like I became a stepmom last year. So I was in a relationship for 15 months and my partner had a little girl and that was like a big shift in terms of the way that I slept, in terms of like, even just the, the way that I showed up in life and the responsibility that I had. And I took everything in my stride. But because I took everything in my stride and kind of just worried my way through, like it came back to bite me in the ass later. And it came back to bite me in the ass in my physical self when my body said, no, eventually, like you're not doing this anymore. You've got to completely stop. So I ended up taking three months off over the summer and not doing any work or business development. And literally some of those days,
0: Alice, I was like, I was in bed all day. I like, couldn't even get up. S- success comes with stress kind of thing and it's mm. such a normality in modern day life what do you think can be done to change that narrative because i'm a massive believer in prevent rather than cure even though curing is amazing when needed um especially with stress so how do you think you can change the narrative around stress being a byproduct of success
1: i think it's um understanding that we're here yes we're here for a good time but we're also here for a long time as well and if you want your career <laughs> or your business to actually stay the course, then you've got to be willing to look after yourself along the way. Like, we don't want to be breaking our bodies to the point that we actually can't function normally. Like, I've actually been very lucky because I've I've always been very healthy. I've always been very fit and very strong. So my recovery from adrenal fatigue, whilst I'm not there yet, it has been a lot quicker than a lot of people So if you're not looking after your diet, for example, if you're not like looking after yourself, like I was going for cryotherapy every week, massages every week, red light therapy, working out six days a week, and that's been very consistent for a lot of years. So because I was doing a lot of stuff right and supplementing, for example, when I came to doing my healing, my body already had a good kind of base from which to recover and heal. If I didn't have that base, I probably wouldn't be back to feeling like as good as I'm feeling right now. So it's, it's almost like you have to understand that you only get one body and you only get one chance at this. Yeah. So do you want to do it and feel
0: like crap along the way or do you want to do it and feel great? Yeah, I love that. And I think it's really interesting. It's like that thing of what does success mean to you? So for you, what does success mean to you?
1: Success means... Being able to create a life on your terms and actually feel happy whilst doing it. So one of the things I say is that success, is, success without happiness isn't success at all. So how can you find that sense of fulfillment? How can you find the joy in your experiences so that you look back and you think, yeah, I made some money, like I created an impact, but also I had a good time as well. I think if I got to the the end of my life and I looked back and I thought, I made a ton of money, but I've been miserable and I wish I'd done things differently. I wish I had looked after myself sooner. Like It would just be a lot of regret. I think we've all got an opportunity now. We've got more resources available to us than ever before. So it's our responsibility to look after ourselves. for, for Yes, for ourselves, for our businesses, for our future families, like, we've really got a responsibility to do this right now.
0: Yeah, I love that. so, so true. What would be the hardest part for you of dealing with your adrenal fatigue?
1: Not being able to do everything that I want to do. It is really, really frustrating. Um, like, the, the reason I went to the doctors in the first place was because I was not sleeping. And I was feeling exhausted during the daytimes. Now, I'd fall asleep absolutely fine, but I'd wake up kind of two, three, four hours later. And sometimes I wouldn't get back to sleep and I'd literally be having two, three or four hours sleep on a consistent basis over time. So it got to the point where I was waking up in the middle of the night and I knew I had a full day of work the next day. And it was like a day of calls, for example, where I would always show up <laughs> and I would always do that <laughs> and I would never cancel um, And what that meant was that I literally wouldn't, wouldn't. I'd be going into it completely exhausted, completely tired out, and not feeling my best, but trying to appear my best. And when you're putting on that front, it's actually it's no good for anyone because you're not being authentic in the way that you teach. You're not you're not like being true to yourself and showing up as your best self because you're feeling completely depleted and drained. So I remember sitting up during the summer in bed at like four in the morning and literally crying my eyes out, like crying and being like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like I can't do this anymore. And I think that's the side of entrepreneurship that people don't see or appreciate because nobody's sharing it. People are like, yeah, I've got the money. I've got the cars. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> paint this picture, this lifestyle of like the handbags and the shoes and all of that's awesome, but like, not if you're struggling and suffering and lying to your community or to your friends or your family along the way about how hard it is. I think there's actually a great strength in showing that sense of vulnerability or that sense of where things aren't working because I guarantee there's plenty of other people that are in the same place as you too.
0: Yeah, I love that. What would you say is your greatest you know, detour or failure that the universe put you on at the time you saw as a failure, but you now see has been a huge, huge strength and direction in the right way?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, biggest failure. I mean, I have many. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite hard to choose. And I think, um again, it's like, it's an opportunity for us to learn and grow. So when I think of failure, I've done a ton of stuff wrong that has taken far too much time and energy that I, I wouldn't necessarily go back and change it though. So one of the, the things that I did in the, the start was I tried to teach, when I started my business, I started in 2012, started up this business and just tried to teach everything that I knew from a very logical standpoint tried to think my way through creating courses and setting things up in a very black and white, boring way. Um, and was always very worried about the things that I was creating. I was worried if people were going to buy them. I was worried if people would, were going to get value from them. Um, and because of that, I wasn't all in on them. And I remember doing a um, a launch of a product, a program that I'd spent probably about six months planning and creating. And I launched that group program and I had one person sign up. And it really made me understand that even if you spent a lot of time like thinking your way through something, it's not always possible that somebody is going to understand what it is you're selling and really connect to that thing. So I made a lot of mistakes because during that time I was thinking about how I could be like other people or how I could create something that was almost like a textbook version of positive psychology. And when I started to really share my own story, when I started to connect with my audience based on where they were at or where I'd been that they could actually relate to, things completely started to change. So because my community could actually see themselves in me and in my journey, it allowed the message of our brand and of our products to be received so much more powerfully. So whilst it was a failure at the time, and I was like, oh my goodness, I've got no money, I've got no clients, I essentially have no business, what am I going to do? It was one of the things that actually shifted the the trajectory for us. So these, these, like, failures... I really see them as defining moments or pivot points. So when you look back and you think, okay, so I, I got a divorce and that, was, that made me feel shame at the time or it made me feel like a failure or I did this thing or I made this mistake, like that shame is actually a defining moment for you and it's a place from which you can find more strength and actually go on to build. So my invitation for those people listening is like, how can you actually dig into those, those experiences those the, the things where you feel like you've failed how could you dig into them and actually find the silver linings find the lessons the blessings and the learnings and use them to go on to either help yourself or to help other people in the world
0: yeah I love that I, I love that it's like that thing of there's no such thing as failures only learn lessons is it? <laughs> yeah exactly but- you, so vulnerability, you mentioned there, which I think is such an interesting point in terms of when you're in a position of success and leadership, and I was talking about this with you know, men recently, it can be hard to be vulnerable and there's a shift in the conversation because vulnerability is seen as strength. And I think that's what connects people and it's really empowering. What would you say is one of your greatest vulnerabilities that you haven't shared with your community?
1: Oh, um, I mean, I, I'm like... I'm really leaning into sharing more around this like topic of vulnerability and shame. I think it's so important. One of the things that, that did bring me um shame over a couple of things, actually, let me share two with you that I haven't shared because okay. um, they're very different and they're both really interesting. So on this topic of like stress and adrenal fatigue, like I've always been a big um, supporter of things like exercise and meditation and the positive psychology tools to actually get results. So when I was struggling with depression back in 2014, and I was overcoming having been raped and going through all of the healing for that, I like I dug deep into those positive psychology tools, and that shifted me into a better place. So I knew that they work. Like I, I knew from the science, I knew from my own experience because I'd practiced them. When I've been dealing with adrenal fatigue and I've been going through like sleepless nights and things like that, I was trying to fix it through supplementation, through holistic things, through meditation, through just trying to do my best. And when I went to the doctor in June, she actually gave me a prescription sleeping pill. And I remember bursting into tears and crying because I was so devastated that I had to take a prescription drug to be able to sleep. Now, what we know from studies in positive psychology is that Things like, um, like antidepressants and exercise, they're both fantastic for shifting the way that people feel. But the benefit of a prescription drug, like an antidepressant, or in my case, a sleeping pill, is that it works so much faster. So I had to really check myself in that moment, and I had to go back to what I know from the science and understand that actually in an emergency situation, prescription medication is okay, And I've actually taught that. So it's kind of like I was being really hard on myself when I've taught people in the past, like, it's okay if you're in this situation, like, you can go and go and see your doctor, get support. Sometimes you have chemical imbalance and you need those prescription drugs. And then look at, okay, so what can you do long-term as a maintenance? So we know that antidepressants work faster, but we actually know the positive effects of exercise last longer. So I had to have a real word with myself because in that situation where I was already feeling super low and super vulnerable and super unwell, I was actually beating myself up more. So that's something that I haven't shared because I'd previously felt ashamed of it. It is something that I'll go on to share. Another example of where um, I felt like embarrassed or ashamed or vulnerable was this year when I actually broke off an engagement So I was engaged to a guy for a couple of months and we were together for about 15 months, like I mentioned. And I decided that I was going to break off that engagement end the relationship and move back from spending 50% of my time in Cape Town to spending 100% of my time back in LA where I'd lived for four years. And some people's reactions to that was that I was wrong and that I shouldn't have done that. Many people's reactions were like it was really brave and it was, it, it was obviously right for you. But a lot of people around me were like, Nick, like, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be getting married. And that brought with it like a great sense of shame. So it was hard dealing with family members and friends who were confused or didn't really understand why I'd made that choice. And I'd never really, I'd never really spoken about that publicly, but social media with my community... Again, it's something that I will speak about, but it's something that I had to work through and process for myself to understand that the reason I made the decision in the first place is because it's what felt right for me. And now I know that it's what's right for me and I I, I wouldn't have done it any differently really right now. And it's great in hindsight to say that, but at the time it made me feel so much shame and so much embarrassment. Um, even though it was the right decision. Like, we're all human, we all have these feelings, but I think when it comes to the stress that you feel and the stress that you internalise and hold on to, the more that you can work through these emotions, the more that you can release and let go those feelings of shame or embarrassment, the easier it's going to be for you to let go of the stress and move forwards with power. When you hold on to it and you don't say anything and you don't talk about it, that's when it eats you away from the inside out.
0: I love that you say that because I'm such a big believer in stress is really damaging to our intuition and Mm -hmm. that if we're not dealing with stress and moving forward, all those emotions and, you know, you know, shedding the layers of it, that our intuition can really get damaged. And like you say, you knew intuitively that that move, as crazy as it sounded to people breaking off your engagement and moving to the other side of the world, back to LA, was the right thing for you inside. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have a very warped relationship with their intuition which is something I try to like bring back and teach because knowing your intuition is knowing yourself so what would you say is one of the best ways you tap into your personal intuition
1: for me it's always about creating space first because when you're so busy and you are go 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 you can't actually hear as powerfully what your intuition is trying to tell you And I say in my book, Now Is Your Chance, it starts as a whisper and it'll turn into a roar. So I was so busy, like, last year, like, doing all of this travel and doing all of the things. I had this little whisper inside of me that was like, this isn't right for you, Nick. Like, you need to be back in LA. That's where you belong. And I, like, I knew the feeling and it got bigger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And then finally, when I decided to, like, clear some space and do some, like, writing around it and... Ask some friends what they thought about it, I realized, like, actually, this feeling has been here for a long time and it's just getting louder and louder and it's my truth and I need to listen. So I say um, create space first and then actually, like, tune in and listen to what you, you think and you feel. So through meditation, for example, maybe it's, like, going out for a walk. So taking yourself out of your normal routine, going out for a walk and just allowing yourself to tune in to what you're feeling.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's so true. And I think it's uh, one of those things where if you're not, you hear the whisper and if, you're, if you don't listen for long enough and suddenly the universe sort of takes it into its own hands and just gives you a massive whack into the right direction mm. so it's better to listen at the start. So on the topic of the universe, what does spirituality mean to you personally?
1: Um, it's interesting. People, people think that I'm not spiritual. Uh, I think they think that I'm like super strategy focused from Newcastle, like bit of a dude but (laughs) it's one of the most important things to me it's literally like if you don't have that connection and you don't have anything and you talk about like where you get energy from like I can go into a meditation you know when you get those like tingles all over you and it's almost like putting yourself into charge into the wall and it's like it gives you so much energy through that connection so kundalini has been a huge practice of mine and it's allowed me to find a greater sense of awareness, a greater sense of grounding, a greater sense of positivity, and a greater sense of faith. So I think faith's a word that's used and associated a lot with religion. But in the spirituality, it's really about like trusting that there's a higher purpose for all of us, trusting that everything is conspiring for your highest good, and always intentionally asking for that and not being attached to what your unfoldment of your experience looks like so we have so much um like human desire to control and desire to control other people desire to control the way that things must look for us but when you actually let go of that control when you actually release and you say do you know what i know that there's a path here and as long as i take the next positive step as long as i keep focused on my vision, I release the attachment of how specifically I'm going to get there, I know that whatever I experience, whether it's big or small, whether it is super positive or whether it's something that's super challenging, I know that it's a gift for the greater good. I know that it's something that has been sent in service of a higher purpose, a higher understanding and awareness when I choose to see that. It's all about being able to have the awareness and choosing to intentionally see all of life as a blessing even if it feels hard I think a lot of people go through life like this was hard this was bad this was wrong he did this she did that and that blame and complain and victim culture isn't getting us anywhere it's about taking responsibility for who we are the choices that we've made and looking for the learnings within everything that we
0: experience. Yeah I love that it's interesting you say that because someone else said that to me earlier today who I was interviewing and it was about how we all tend to look outward and wonder like how that person or this situation has come about to us instead of going inwards and taking responsibility for what part we may have played or what reaction we may have had and I think that's such a powerful concept to like bring the control back to yourself in a non-controlling way if that makes sense. Yeah totally totally totally. What would you say is one practice for your mind and one practice for your soul that you would tell people to try and do every day for their positive benefit?
1: Well, Meditation it, like, encompasses both of those. I believe in creating like systems and rituals around everything that you do. And you can be spiritual without needing to go and pray or meditate all day. Um, it's about being intentional and about creating those moments where you can connect in and you can be more mindful rather than mindless. So I'm a huge fan of like taking charge of your mornings and setting yourself up for your day in the best possible way. So three of the things that I always do in the morning are practice gratitude, connect in through meditation, and then move my body. So it's a super short morning ritual that I teach, thank, connect, and move. And like fitness and exercise being been a big part of my life. But people think that that isn't like a, a spiritual practice, but moving your physical self and actually giving to your physical self and connecting in with your meditation and being grateful just puts you in a such a different space to waking up, falling out of bed, hating the world, <laughs> being late. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's these, and it's these little things, like it's not rocket science. It's not hard to do. It's just exercising that discipline and consistency muscle so that you do more of the little things more of the time and they start to make a difference and they start to shift, whether it's days or weeks or months, but the little things do make a big difference.
0: Yeah, I so, I so believe that. I think it's so important to do a morning routine because I definitely used to be someone who used to... Um, you know, be late for work, run for the bus, my whole day would be going wrong. And I'd be like, oh, my mm. God. And it's just, it just develops more stress in your life. And if you can take control totally. of your morning, you'll have such a better day.
1: Yeah, I used to be this girl who, like, lost everything. <laughs> I'd <Like>, get in <laughs> such a, like, flustered state. I'd be like, oh, my God, I've lost my house keys. I've lost my car keys. Where is everything? I can't find anything. And I'd end up in tears. Like, I'm thinking of when I was, like, 18, 19. and end up in tears, like, panicking. I'm going to be late. And I started to talk to myself differently. And I started to say, as I hurry slowly, time expands for me. So now, like, I don't rush. And if I do find myself in a rush, I'll literally say to myself, Nick, okay, as I hurry slowly, time expands for me. And I, as I start to do things more slowly, I find that I get things done more quickly because I'm not
0: in that panic energy. I love that. That's such a good affirmation. Want to take note of if you're yeah. if you're a scurry hurrier.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's one thing that no one knows about you, even your nearest and dearest?
1: Oh, I mean, a lot of those shame things like people don't really know because it's more like thoughts and and feelings. Um, I'm pretty open. Like I, I do share a lot of stuff. I think it's more like my own um, self-reflections that I don't share in the moment, like I will share them in the future. But it's yeah. more like I'm I'm really great at um, putting attention onto other people and other things rather than necessarily sharing how I feel at the time. So I think if I looked at like my family and my friends, they'd probably say this as well, they'd be like, oh, we just, Think that Nick's like happy all of the time because I don't really bother people, and that it actually, now that you ask that, it gives me a reflection that perhaps I should be better about connecting more, or building relationships more, or talking more of it to the people around me, so that we do know what's going on in each other's
0: lives. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's such a powerful like movement, that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. I love that. If you were to leave the world behind one day, as we all will, what is the legacy you would like to leave for future generations?
1: To have changed the landscape for generations of women when it comes to women understanding their own strength and personal power to create a life of their dreams. So a lot of the work that I do through my books and also through my business coaching is very focused on people claiming their place in the world and understanding that just because you started somewhere, it doesn't mean that you can't end up exactly where you want to go or somewhere even bigger and better than that. And I think when people see like, the adversities that I've gone through with like trying to take my own life when I was a kid, being raped, having gone through all of these different struggles and also being from a place in England, from being from a relatively small city in Newcastle, And having created an amazing life and business and now living in Los Angeles, I think it gives people a lot of hope to understand that no matter whether it's a natural disaster or a daily disaster, and that's something that I say in my book, we all have a power to make a change. Like the new book that I'm writing, Force of Nature, is all around how we can shift from trauma to high performer and why it is that humans decide to go on to thrive better than ever before despite adversity I'd love for my mark on the world to have been to give it have given like an insight and an understanding and empowerment around this message
0: I love that so powerful something you're so great at as well and working with you I find that it's very inspirational and you're really good at like giving a space for people to open up to the the reality of what they actually are able to create when they think they're not if that makes sense mm, totally
1: we don't even know a tiny part of our own power Like there's so much more than we than we're able to access right now. So it's exciting when you think about the true human potential and what might be possible when we just lean into that a little
0: bit more. Yeah, I love that. So to finish, what is your most powerful intentional mantra that you try to live into every day?
1: I always say to myself, I am the girl who changed the world. And I don't know if I've ever shared that with you, but and it's something that, like, yeah, there's so many people that change the world, but that gives me that sense of empowerment. It's like, I'm the girl that changed the world. And one of the things from my book, like, I'll share a couple with you actually, because I just love them so much. One of them is um, that beautiful flowers blossom in adversity. So, no matter what you're experiencing right now, trust that there will be a time where that light at the end of the tunnel actually becomes your opportunity to flourish and thrive like you've never known possible before. And then another one that I um, share a lot is um, when you help others find their greatness, you will find greatness too. So actually putting a focus on how can you help other people, how can you create something for the collective that is going to create a big shift in, whether it's in your organization or in your family or in the world at large, and trust that when you actually do that, you'll always be looked after too.
0: I love that one it's like what you give you Mm. get back it's so yeah so great thank you so much Nick it's been so wonderful talking to you today finding out more. I'm so excited for your new book me
1: too right
0: (laughs) (laughs) when is that going to
1: be out not for a while yet it's a big project it's going to be a couple of years so I'm doing a lot of interviews and a lot of research on it and I want it to be done well rather than be done fast so because it's so big there's a ton of like amazing people behind it that are going to contribute to the book so I'm just taking my time with it and allowing it to unfold and allowing it to be the force of nature that I want it to be so exciting, thank you so much thank you so much Alice
0: Thank you for tuning into the Wally Life podcast so far. If you are enjoying it, then please click subscribe so we can continue to bring you more amazing guests from around the world and help you through your stresses and losses. And if you'd like any further information about my coaching practice around helping people overcome and prevent stress and create better performance in both their personal and professional lives, then please find me on www.lawally-life.com. Stay tuned.